What, you have a podcast? I can't let you do that, Kyle. People want leadership, Mr. President. In the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. Lewis, we have had presidents who are beloved, who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. My fellow citizens, for the last nine days, the entire world has seen for itself the state of our union, and it is strong. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Oh, and now the poor guy, you gotta see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said, ah, oh, I don't remember. That were very fine people on both sides. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. My name is Kyle Frame. Today is Monday, November 7th, 2022. So it's been a while. I haven't been on for more than a month. Uh, let's see what's been going on. Uh, so first off, the reason for that was uh, there's been some movement in my house. Uh, basically, we took uh, what was uh, the office space of uh, my home and we converted it into a bedroom for um, one of our kids uh, so that they could have space. Um, we, we don't live in a especially large house. So right now, my computer, this whole setup... Uh, used to be an enclosed space. Now it's basically in the middle of the living room, which makes recording difficult at times because I cannot control uh, who can come in, leave, and all that. And you know how things get. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons. Um, and that that's that's pretty much the primary reason. But you know uh, what else is going on? Uh, the Seahawks. Holy crap! Um, I don't think. I, I don't know anybody who is predicting a 6-3 and three start to the year, um, sweeping the Cardinals and everything else. And, you know, it's not just them. I mean, it's it's easy to, to point to one team and be like, oh, my God, them. But, but there's a lot of teams out there that are just uh, completely uh, crapping the bed and a lot of them exceeding expectations. Um, and I think it kind of makes sense. Um, that there has been an over-reliance in the last few years on quarterbacks in the NFL. And if you have one, then you're a good team. And if you don't, then you're a bad team. And the interesting thing that I like about this season is that the quarterback is important. Don't get me wrong. You can, you can really have a bad one and, and really hate life. Uh, but it's not the guaranteed, you know, uh, it's not the guaranteed thing it used to be. Or, uh, or or thought of was. I mean, Green Bay, I think, just lost their fifth straight, and they lost to the Lions. 
uh, and they have, you know, supposedly one of the greatest quarterbacks ever uh, in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Tom Brady has uh, finally started to look his age. Um, Part of that is his team. His team has fallen apart around him, but they changed coaches. Um, And, you know, I've never thought much of Bruce Arians, but apparently he knows how to uh, coach a football team because that team is is an utter mess right now. Um, so that's been fun. It's been fun, uh, watching a lot of people eat crow when it comes to my team, the Seahawks. Um, that was fun. Uh, World Series, the Cheaters again. Ah, God. Ugh, there's just no justice in the world sometimes. You would, you would hope that after being exposed as cheaters during their previous, uh, World Series run that, uh, that they would fall off a cliff or something, but... You know, baseball without its, uh, you know, doesn't have a salary cap the way football does. So you can literally buy talent. And that's what they've done. Um, You know, they're not as bad as the Yankees who have consistently done that throughout the years. But, you know, I just just have a rough time uh, with a team that has a history of cheating. Um, You know, I'm not saying they can't win again, but it just, it, it feels like karmic injustice that they didn't, you know, fall off a cliff first. Like... I think it feel it would feel better if they were exposed as cheaters and then had to like suck for a few years, like really suck, like not even barely make the playoffs, just get blown out and destroyed for a few years. And then they're allowed to rebuild. And, and, and then if they won another World Series, it would be OK. But uh, they've continued this era of, you know, superb play the whole time. So, you know. Uh, there's no evidence of them cheating right now, but still karmically, you know, uh, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Um, that, that that's, uh, that that's happening. So that kind of sucks. Uh, I haven't been to the movies in lately, uh, really looking forward to Wakanda forever next week. Uh, that that's a big one on my list. I was a huge fan of Chadwick Boseman. I was, uh, I was wrecked to find out that he had passed. Um, I I was telling everybody, I was like, look, I'm, I'm a white guy, but you know, you have to consider he was Superman to a lot of kids around the time Christopher Reeves was for me. So to, uh, to have him pass so suddenly and so young when a whole generation of children were hoping to see him in film for you know, at least another decade playing this character and to have him ripped from us in such a, such a sad way. Um, you know, fuck cancer, seriously. That's, uh, and you know, from all, you know, stories you hear, he was, uh, he was a genuine article, a very nice person. Um, didn't have a mean thing to say about anybody and, and had an excellent, uh, talent and career ahead of him. And it was just very sad to see all of that go. The popping you hear is uh, my cat, uh, Leroy, deciding to tear up his kitty tree. So that's not audio issues. <laughs> He's in the room wondering what's going on. Uh, let's see, what else is going on? There's, uh, there's not much in the news right now. Oh yeah, there's this election going on tomorrow that's going to end democracy. So there's that. Um... <laughs> so the, I guess the good news on the whole end of democracy thing is that the there is question about the polling. Um, apparently, and I haven't done a deep dive into this, but apparently the polls that are showing 
you know there's a lot of polls and the, the smart money is that you don't trust one poll you look at all of them and you kind of you know take a, a large assessment of the entire situation so everybody does a poll and you see all these polls and you're like okay well the majority of the polling shows that the republicans are about to win especially in places they have no business winning and that is very concerning and then you take into effect uh, or into account another story coming out that nancy pelosi is not even going to be in the country tomorrow She's not going to be around giving last-minute stump speeches. She's not going to be there to declare victory or to give a somber, you know, we're going to keep fighting speech. Um, and she's not going to be here uh, on Wednesday. She's going to be out of the country. Uh, not for vacation, um, you know, which you could maybe understand. I mean, I, could, I can cross that bridge, right? I can, I can understand. Hey, you just got your ass kicked. You need to decompress, especially in her situation right now where she has a husband who's... Uh, you know, not doing hot, uh, you know, you would, you would think, yeah, you know, I just want to get away from it. Uh, you know, this is my swan song, uh, take a vacation. And then of course, you know, a week from now, maybe announce that she's not going to be in Congress next year. She's going to step down from leadership and let somebody else take the reins. Maybe she could even stay on for this last two year term just to, you know, kind of show the ropes to whoever, you know, whatever. Um, but, but that's not what she's doing. She's, she's leaving the country so she can go fundraise. Um, and that's kind of the problem for me. Um, Again, the good news is that there is questions about this polling data. So uh, some of the industry insiders are saying that basically pollsters have figured out how to uh, shape the media narrative. So the media narrative right now is that the Republicans are going to win, right? Um, and the way you do that is by flooding the zone with bullshit. So all these polls... Um, a lot of them are done by Republican marketing firms and Republican candidates. So there's the question of, okay, well, are they giving the person what they paid for? You know, um, you know, are, are, they, are they basically telling the candidate what they want to hear? Which, okay, fine. Um, but that the media can be tricked because they'll see one poll after another be showing Republican win and they'll, you know, fall for it. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, the media is reporting that the Democrats are about to get their ass kicked entirely possible and then there's other polling you know uh coming out showing that because of the way that polls are done um and this has been an issue since the smartphone is that a lot of the younger generation they don't answer the phone for polls if you call and they don't know your number they're not going to answer okay this isn't the traditional landline thing where they call in and, and your grandparents will talk to them for an hour about you know how they're voting uh, some people still do, but for the most part, uh, the young generation just does not answer polls. They think polls are cynical and stupid and they don't care. I can't fault them for that. Um, so there are reports in certain areas that are saying that the youth vote for Democrats in particular is skyrocketing. That the youth of the Democratic Party is just like, oh, hell no and is really going to turn out and is turning out in early voting and is turning out in mail voting. And so that could offset a lot of things and that the pollsters are just missing it. The, the, the polls by their very nature are, 
questionable, problematic, that they were never designed to like steer the media. You have to understand that polls were designed for candidates to, you know, figure out where their weaknesses were, where their strengths were, how to fine tune a message. You know, uh, it was never intended for CBS, NBC, ABC to run with and be like, the polls say the Republicans will win 54 to 46. Um, that's just something that's entirely made up. It's it's the complaint that I have and a lot of people have where the news is for profit and because of that they seek the easy story. This is why crime is a huge story. This is why inflation are huge stories. They're simple stories. They're right there. They're anecdotal and they matter. You know, if it bleeds, it leads is there for a reason because it's a for-profit industry. They need you to watch their shows. They need you to buy their newspapers. So crime is always on the front. Um, inflation is always there. And the horse race is there because the horse race is easy. A poll is easy. It's force-fed, spoon-fed to your reporter. And it says, hey, I have a poll that shows the Republicans will win. And then all they have to do is turn around and repeat that. Ta-da, story done. You know, and when you're dealing in a 24-hour news cycle the way we are now with smartphones, with cable news and all that, they need something new. Because obviously if they keep repeating something, you're going to turn away. So they need something new to feed you. So a new poll is easy. There are lots of them. They all say different things. And then they can get their policy wonks or, you know, number crunchers up there to go ahead and try to break down what the numbers mean. Um, one of my favorite ones this time around is they're saying that Hispanics actually are, are tilting more Republican these days rather than Democrat and, you know, breaking down all the reasons for that. So while tomorrow might be the end of our democracy, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that lightly. It's not like, oh my God, I fear the Republicans. You know, this isn't the Republican party of even 10 years ago. This is a Republican Party where the majority of the candidates are promoting that our democracy is unstable. They're promoting that our elections cannot be trusted if they lose. Um, there is, I believe, the Republican candidate for governor in Wisconsin has said that if he wins, a Democrat will never win in that state again. And he's not putting it in the frame of, we're going to do such a great job that our party will hold on to the state forever. No, no, no. He's literally saying that he will ensure that Democrats cannot win by law. Period. End of democracy in Wisconsin. Uh, it, it's possible it's Wyoming. Uh, it is a W state, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, there is a Republican governor doing that. Uh, the litmus test to be a Republican these days is to say that the 2020 election was stolen and that if Democrats win, it's because they stole it. But if Republicans win, it was a free and fair election. That is a problem. That is a very big problem. Um, there are a lot of reasons to dislike and hate the Democratic Party. I have plenty of them. But when it comes to choices right now, if you are living in a democracy and you want to keep living in a democracy, it seems to me the best thing you can do is vote for the political party that also wants to keep and maintain a democracy. Um, you have to understand in history, um, all of our greatest villains, you know, they won their election. 
Hitler was elected, Mussolini was elected, Putin was elected. I mean, all of these people were elected. Very few of our history's villains are people that just came out of nowhere and seized power, right? And even if they did, it's usually a long chain of events that probably started with a free and fair election of a really bad guy. Um, so that's the situation we're heading into right now, going into tomorrow. Um, and it's it's really disconcerting because on its head or on its face, it just seems it seems so wrong because a lot of these Republican candidates, obviously, they're promoting this thing and it's more than they're just cynics like they are true believers a lot of them are true believers i mean if i told you the state of georgia is going to vote between a man named warnock who is highly educated christian pastor unimpeachable character intelligent man just just one of the best human beings on the planet okay he is going up against Herschel Walker. His claim to fame is he was a great football player. He has committed assault. He has paid for numerous abortions of from numerous women. His own children say that he was not around, that he was an absentee father. Uh, he <sighs> lies all the time. He says he was an FBI agent. He never was. He says he was a police officer. No, he wasn't. He says he even graduated, you know, top of his class in college. He never even graduated college. Okay, I mean, the, the, the lies are there, and they're so provable. It's like, if you've got a college degree, wouldn't you... I mean, both the college and you can verify it. Show us the fucking diploma. He can't do that because it never happened. Um... This, this is somebody who just is, is not mentally fit to be a United States senator in any way, shape, or form. Uh, there are people who claim that it's possible that his football days have left him with CTE. That is the brain damage that occurs with multiple hits and traumas to the head when you're younger in your teens and your 20s you know like when he's a football player and it would not shock me to find out because unfortunately you cannot really um diagnose somebody with cte you have to find out after the fact so presumably once he passes they'll do an autopsy they'll take a piece of his brain and take a look at it and then they'll be able to prove yep you've got cte because until he starts seriously degenerating um he's he's just not but on paper, this should be a no-brainer. I shouldn't have to even ask you, you know, what party you're voting for in that case. Educated, unimpeachable character versus a serial liar with possible brain damage. This is, this is easy, right? That This should be easy. Yet right now, again, according to the polls, which aren't 100% trustworthy, Herschel Walker is about to be elected to the United States Senate in the state of Georgia. And then there's uh, Fetterman versus Dr. Oz, of all people. Dr. Oz is not even, he doesn't live in Pennsylvania. He lives in New Jersey. He's made that flub numerous times. The man is a millionaire who has very shady ties to Viktor Orban, uh, Hungary's president. 
okay, th this guy has sold snake oil for years on television so badly that he got called in front of Congress for it. You can you can find those uh, tapes on uh, C-SPAN or, or in the House of, you know, House of Library, uh, uh, excuse me, Library of Congress has video of him having to sit there and either you know, plead the fifth to Congress or admit that everything he says on air is complete and total bullshit. And there were people who spent, you know, a long period of their lives watching his show because we all care about our health. I mean, th this guy's horrible. And there's reports also of him having, you know, shady study practices when he actually was a doctor and trying to be a doctor. Um, but again, he's going up against Fetterman, who is a career politician. He is currently, I believe, the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania. Um, and the only knock against Fetterman right now, other than the Democrats don't really like him, um, he tends to not care when he pulls his... He doesn't pull his punches when he critiques the Democratic Party. To me, that's a positive. But, you know, people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, they hate him. Uh, regardless, uh, the, the knock against him is he's recently suffered a stroke. Um, he suffered a stroke over the summer uh, during some interviews and a recent debate. You could tell that he had a stroke. Now, again, nobody's questioning his moral character. Nobody's questioning he lives in Pennsylvania. Nobody questions his competence for the job, given that he has been a politician for a long time. He knows how the wheels of government work, right? We're not taking somebody from TV and plugging them into the Senate again. Again, this, this is a problem I'm having with a lot of Republicans these days. Um, they saw Trump do it, and now everybody thinks they can do it. You know, so you have a, a perfectly qualified individual, and... The only thing I can say is that I have seen numerous doctors, actual experts on people who have suffered strokes. This is their this is their job, right? They're experts. And they come out and they have said, you know, when you suffer a stroke, you don't get over it right away. It is a, a rest of your life recovery process. Now, does that mean we cannot take it into account when voting? Absolutely. You can. You should. If, uh, if Biden suffered a stroke, I would be one of the first people sitting here thinking maybe uh, Kamala Harris should, should be president then. You know, that's what the vice president is for. Maybe, maybe they should step down. Um, th that, that's not outside the realm of possibility. It's not something that, you know, is a problem. However, the disparity between the two, it, we're not talking generic Republican versus generic Democrat. Again, we are talking about somebody eminently qualified who is intelligent, knows what they're doing, and knows how government works versus a television star who sold snake oil. This should be a no-brainer. I don't care if the other guy had a stroke. Really. When it comes to that, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not voting for the millionaire who doesn't even live in my state with a questionable past. That, that should be disqualifying. The, these, these guys shouldn't have even made it past their primaries. This should have been open and shut. And the fact that there are that many tribalists in this country who are like, first off, Dr. Oz no matter what, because Democrats are evil, they, they, they've bought it. You know, that really concerns me. It really does. And it, it it's, it's crazy to me 
that that's where we are right now. That we're going to elect a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> and there doesn't seem to be anything we can do about it. So for the moment, I'd like to talk about, you know, how we got here. Because it, it does seem to be an issue. Um, there are valid criticisms on the left of what's going on. Um, the very far left just believes that the Democrats haven't been, you know, socialist enough. Um, I don't know if I believe that um, the American people are kind of stuck right now. I have my criticisms of President Biden. I think he was the right man for 2020 to remove Trump, but he is the wrong man to be leading us in this moment. If I had faith in his vice president, I would say that he should resign uh, after these midterms and let the vice president take over um, just strictly for messaging. Uh, I'm not saying that he couldn't win in 2024. It's entirely possible he could. What I'm saying is, is that uh, he clearly does not have the energy required for the moment. I think if this were Biden 20 years ago, he would be out on a 50-state tour right now, constantly doing rallies, constantly doing interviews, constantly telling the people, educating the people, hey, this is what's going on and this is what's happening, uh, so that he can control the narrative. The problem that you have with Biden right now is that he is an older man who doesn't have the energy and stamina necessary to take control of the media the way that Trump does. Now, Trump has his own energy stamina problem as well, but he realizes how valuable social media is. He's out there doing his rallies. He's constantly in the news because he's entertaining. Um, and the news will always follow who's entertaining. Biden is not entertaining. Uh, when he recently gave a speech the other night on democracy and the need to hold on to it with both hands, uh, the 24-hour news channels didn't even cover it. Or, excuse me, the, the, the regular networks didn't cover it. The 24-hour news channels did. So unless you were one of the, like, 4 million people in this country of over 300 million watching, you know, uh, Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC, you did not see that speech. What we need right now is Democratic leadership. We need the president. We need, we need somebody to step up and make the case for what's going on right now. And Biden is saying all the right things, but he's not hammering it home the way that you need to. Um, I think they should have elevated somebody like uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, who is an excellent speaker and has this way about him where he can actually reach some of the the right Um you know, and he doesn't have to talk about politics. He can talk in, uh, you know, his platitudes, his, his, his rhetoric is very good. Um, you know, but I, I would have had him be the face of the administration. I, I think that's what they should do right now is get somebody young, energetic out there to be like, look, this is who the Democratic Party is. Stop letting the right define them. Stop, you know, buying into this media narrative because the, the top two issues for everybody right now is crime and inflation. Which statistically, there's not a damn thing anybody can do about. And also, aren't really things. Not in the traditional sense. This inflationary crisis that we're in right now stemmed from the pandemic and a global supply shortage. But guess what? CEOs are still making billions. Companies are still making 
billions. Profits are through the roof on everything. How the fuck is that possible if we're in the middle of inflation, right? Because it's manufactured. Corporations just used the pandemic as an excuse to jack up their prices because they knew we would pay it. This is exactly what's going on right now. Saudi Arabia is practically openly telling us that they don't like our president and they want to punish him politically. So they're going to jack up the price of oil. Russia and Ukraine are doing the same thing, basically. I mean, not that Ukraine is doing it. Ukraine wants us to keep doing what we're doing. But Russia wants to punish the U.S., so they're shutting down their oil. There is an oil crisis, but it is manufactured. Grocers, Safeway, Fred Meyer, QFC, uh, Albertsons, all those places, they are all recording record profits. Yet, their prices are still way up. This is price gouging. That's all it is. Now, I don't... Some people will go ahead and say the conspiracy is in that they want the Democrats to lose. I don't think that's the case, because again, the case is pretty cut and dry. One party believes in democracy, the other doesn't. And I'll guarantee you, no corporation wants to live in a United States run by Trump. They want democracy. They want the status quo. And unfortunately, when you have a cult of personality like Trump, you don't know what the status quo is. Something is new and happening every day, and you have to respond to it, and that's a nightmare. No corporation wants that. They like Biden. They like the Democrats. Nice and easy, slow going, nice and quiet. We can message what we want, and we don't have to constantly respond to it. Unfortunately, if you get somebody like DeSantis or Trump in charge, that's all they're going to be doing is responding. And it's not going to work out well. But the Democrats have completely failed in their messaging. They haven't gotten out. They aren't hammering home. They aren't wielding the tools of power. I guarantee you when the Republicans are in charge, the first thing they're going to do, obviously, is impeach Biden for whatever reasons. The next thing they're going to do is they're going to go to the social media sites. They're going to go to Facebook. They're going to go to Twitter. They're going to go to all of them. And they're going to say, if you do not stop censoring us, we are going to do this. I'm not saying Democrats do that, but the fact that they aren't even threatening it behind closed doors is kind of a problem. Like, this, this is a serious issue. Democrats are not holding hearings right now. If I were a Democrat in Congress, the hearings I would be holding would not be the January 6th stuff. I mean, yes, that's important. That also needs to happen. But there should be another hearing, primetime hearing. I would drag everybody who's in charge of our food, our grocers, in front. And I would explain to them, Katie Porter style, pull out a whiteboard and be like, if it costs this much to make and this much to transport and it reaches the shelves at this price, how come you guys have a you know 100% markup on this item that people need? What the fuck, right? But they're not doing that. And it is a complete and utter failure. The Republicans, sadly, are very good at this. Do you remember Benghazi? It was two straight years of a bullshit investigation that wielded nothing. All it did was tarnish Hillary Clinton's name, which was the goal. Now, I'm not saying they should go out and tarnish people's name, but the problem is, is that Republicans knew, we're going to hold hearings on this every single day. 
we're going to do everything. We're going to subpoena everybody, and we're going to get them in front, and we're going to drive home this message that this inflation shit is not on us. It is not on anybody. It is a corporate malpractice. It is greed at the finest level. It is human beings taking advantage of other human beings. That is what this is. There's not a job shortage. There's not really inflation. This is all just greed at the highest level, and it's going to drive our country off a cliff. And they need to do that. They need to do it right now. But now it's too late. Um, you know, they, that that's what they should have been doing this entire time. And when Roe v. Wade came out and they even got a like a six week bonus, they, they knew what the decision was going to be. Yet when the decision was officially handed down six weeks later, what was their counterpunch? They didn't have one. I got an email from Nancy Pelosi asking me for money and to vote because, oh my goodness, did you see what the Supreme Court did? And I'm sitting here going, you had six weeks. Like, in fact, in reality, you had more than that because you knew damn well they were going to do this. The second they took the case, it was over. I listened to the arguments. I could tell you immediately how this thing was. I did tell you. I have an entire episode where I broke down the arguments and I said, this is how they're going to vote, people. This thing is dead. Roe v. Wade is gone. And I told you, clear the hell over a year ago. So... This, this whole idea that the Democrats, you know, they completely failed in messaging. And, you know, you start to wonder, it's like, how, how are they doing this? And why are they not pounding home that, like, democracy itself is on there? And, and why are they not dragging, you know, uh, newsroom executives? Why is it that you lead every single local news show with crime? Tell me. Tell me the decision-making process. Why do you do this? Because crime, statistically, is actually down, ladies and gentlemen. Crime is not the big bad that it was. But the same way that cameras these days are allowing us to see cops doing evil shit, it's also bringing to light a lot more petty crime. You see those videos of people just walking into, I believe it's a Walgreens in San Francisco, and he walks in with a backpack, and he just fills up his backpack and walks out. And the security guard doesn't do anything, and the store clerk is just on the phone calling the cops because that's what they're supposed to do. That's their job. I'm not going to, you know, there, there's no reason to attack them for it. But this person just walks in on camera, steals everything, and then leaves. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it's a crisis. It's not. That has been happening our entire lives, forever. That has not changed. Crime is actually down. And besides that, police don't stop crime. They report it. Okay? If police stopped crime, they would have been there to stop it. Police do not stop any crimes. But the news leads with crime, and it leads with inflation, and it creates this perception, and perception is reality. The perception is that crime is up, inflation is up, and the Democrats aren't doing shit about it. And you have to wonder, why aren't the Democrats doing anything about it? Well, again, inflation, there's not much they can do. Like I said, I think they should basically have pulled all these fuckers in by their ears, put them in front of a hearing, put them under oath, and have them explain why the hell things cost as much as they do. Because they can't be making record profits and also you know, inflation's a thing that's, that's fucking over Americans. Those two things don't jive well with me. And I'd be sitting here being like, okay, we're going to drag all you guys in. That's what they could do. They're not doing that. Um, you know, so when it comes to inflation, they're, they're not doing anything. When it comes to oil prices, they're not doing anything. When it comes to crime, they're not doing anything. And crime is the really interesting thing because in the entire history of my life, crime has never been solved by a politician or a political party. 
Nobody has solved crime. No one. Okay, crime goes up and it goes down, usually based on economic circumstances, which most of the time your local politician can't handle. Okay, Rudy Giuliani got in a lot of trouble when he was mayor of New York and he did his stop and frisk shit. And, or excuse me, um, oh, the billionaire, Bloomberg. Bloomberg did that, uh, stop and frisk. And cops were out there stopping and frisking and it was deemed unconstitutional because obviously they only did it to black people. Um, and, and everyone's like, aha, see, he did something. No, he actually committed a shit ton of human rights violations, um, and violated the constitution. But a lot of people were like, well, the perception is that he did something. Doesn't matter if it worked. Doesn't matter if it didn't work. Doesn't matter if it fucked people over. They did something. The Democrats, meanwhile, are sitting there. And the, the real sad part is not only are they not doing anything, they're not making the argument for why it's useless to try. They're not making the argument I'm making, which is crime doesn't stop, okay? It's it's not an instantaneous thing where as soon as the Republicans in charge, crime's going to go away. The only reason you're going to think that is because the news media will change because the majority of local news is owned by one, con one conglomerate, the Sinclair Group, and they are Republican, and they definitely love them some Trump. So that could possibly be intentional but also it's just in the nature of how newsrooms do things crime is easy the cops are always there willing to give you a statement and the statement is always going to be pro-cop anti-crime please give us more funding it is always going to be the anti-democratic party message right now it's always going to be the anti-people message right now which is cops have too much power maybe they shouldn't have so much and also maybe we should use that money elsewhere where it might actually do some good you know that's that's just not what's going on um but, but yeah democrats are utterly failing in messaging and it, it, it does bring to question it's like why why are you guys so bad at this and the reason you know it, it it baffled me for so long but then i had to remind myself who's in charge of the democratic party and i'm not talking about biden at this point i'm talking about the real who's in charge who runs the democratic party and that is Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, two people whose sole job and the sole prerequisite for them becoming leaders in Congress is their ability to raise money. That's it. The number one people who can raise money are Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, and that's why they're in charge. That's why they are in leadership, because they also control where that money goes. Nancy doesn't give money to the squad. She doesn't like the squad. She hates the squad. The squad causes her problems. So she only gives money to people that agree with her. So you first off have a lot of people who are either beholden to her because of the money or she hand selected them so they all agree with her. So one way or the other, they completely control the party because of that. And if you ask yourself, well, why isn't this a bigger issue? You have to understand billionaires don't care about inflation. <laughs> Millionaires don't care about inflation. Sure, it hurts them yeah, just a teeny tiny bit, but they're not really worried about it long term like you and I. It's not an issue to them. So why would you drag them and their friends before Congress and rake them over the coals for gouging prices? That money is helping to feed the Democratic coffers. Meanwhile, um, you know, why don't they bring up crime? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? It's because, again, to millionaires and billionaires, crime's not an issue. It's petty, low-level bullshit that they don't get affected by. They're insulated. These are not issues for them. These are not issues that are great for them. But what they do know is that crime sells because Nancy Pelosi's friends own MSNBC. 
And MSNBC likes reporting crime. Get some ratings. They can sell more. It's all for profit. So they're not going to be under the thumb of the Democratic administration. The Democrats are beholden to money. And money right now says that money's good. They're making bank. Have you seen the stock market? It's doing fine. It's doing great. Historically, by historical standards, the stock market has never been better. It is a fantastic time to be a millionaire and a billionaire in the United States. It's fucking great. Why would you, why would you change anything? So Nancy Pelosi can't put forward real honest-to-God measures because her donor class doesn't want them. That's what stems from all this. I mean, what made Bernie Sanders effective in 2016 was the fact that he didn't give two shits. Why did it seem like he was actually talking about issues that we cared about and Hillary was just going on and on about how saying all of it was impossible? Because one of them, Hillary, was in bed with the corporations. She knew where the money was. She wasn't wrong. And, and I'm not begrudging her, you know, this isn't this isn't her fault, you know, this is the game that she was told to play. So she was playing it the way that she was. Bernie is an outlier. Bernie was not supposed to succeed by any measure because he didn't have the corporate money. Now he proved to be correct that you don't need it, but at the time, I don't I don't begrudge Hillary Clinton for sticking to the tried and true democratic message that got her husband and Barack Obama elected. That worked. But Bernie was able to talk about things that we actually cared about. Medicare for all, strengthening Social Security, bringing back manufacturing, all those things that Americans want, free education. You know, those are things that we want. Those are things we care about. And he was able to drive the media narrative on those things because he was allowed to speak unshackled. He didn't have to worry about his donors. His donors were us. And those are things that we cared about. This is also, you know, conversely what's going on with the Republican Party right now. The donors for the Republican Party are not the corporations. The donors for the Republican Party are individuals. And they love them some crazy. That's what ramped all this up. If, you know, you ask them, hey, the Democrats, uh, they're going to keep funding the war in Ukraine. And shouldn't they be funding here in the U.S.? You know, you might get one or two votes, but nobody's going to pull out five bucks and give it to you. But if you tell them, hey, the Democrats are going to make all your kids gay and they're going to take away their genitalia and they want they want abortions all the way up to the, you know, fifth trimester, people will go, what? Holy shit. Yeah, we need to stop that. Right. I mean, now, again, these are gullible, stupid individuals, but whatever. This is the system we have because I don't have faith in the American people. Um, but but that's what they figured out. And that's where a lot of this crazy comes from, you know. The, the, the entire donor system has flipped now, so the crazy is driving everything. And unfortunately for Democrats, the people in charge, they don't, they don't care about us. They took all the wrong lessons from Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders right now is silent, and the reason is, you know, the Democratic Party has got him and is saying, you need to shut up right now. Now, after the election, I imagine AOC and the squad and Bernie Sanders, if they're still around are going to probably put foot to ass and be like, okay, Biden, we tried it your way. And that's another thing that absolutely drives me crazy. So just to close, 
for today, I have this this one critique of, you know, pretty much everybody in the center, the right, and, and also some people who are left of center but not quite left-left, is this idea or notion that Biden's first two years in office have been hamstrung by the left. He's been taken over by the left. He's going too far. I always hear this critique. I never hear examples. The best they can do is the student loan debt thing, which was pretty weak on its face. It's not what Chuck Schumer, who again, I have my problems with, it's not what he was asking for. It's not anything. It was a very half-assed attempt. I mean, if anything, that was the compromise. Um, but everyone wants to say that Biden's whole administration is was was destroyed and wrecked because he went too far left. And I'm always sitting here like, how the fuck did he do that was so far left? No one ever gives examples. Not a single fucking one. And it drives me up the wall. But I guarantee you, after this election, what's going to end up happening is AOC, the squad, Bernie, are going to see the peril that they're in, and they're going to start putting foot to ass. And they're going to go to Biden, and they're going to go to Nancy, and they're going to be like, look, we're sorry, we tried it your fucking way. You just got your ass kicked. You cannot appeal to the better nature of MAGA. It doesn't have one. It is poisoned. It is sick. It is a gangrenous limb that needs to be severed. Stop thinking you can win these people over. Stop thinking that there is somehow an injustice so great that they won't be able to overlook it. They're dead to the Democratic Party and they need to accept it. And they're probably going to be dead to them for the rest of their lives. These people are gone. You need to start tacking to the left. You need to start going to people who will actually vote for you. You need to start going to people who don't vote. This has always been one of my biggest things. You know, no matter how big the turnout is, you know, this many people voted. There's always more people who didn't vote in the United States that did. Last election, something like 150, 160 million people voted. Yeah, you're still close to 200 million people who didn't. The people that don't vote would win in an election every year. This is who the Democratic Party needs to reach. You need to people reach the people who do not understand politics, who do not follow politics, who don't care about politics. And unfortunately, you need to make them care. You need to make them. And sadly, it's probably too late. Okay, the reason everybody's freaking out about this election is because you've got all these election deniers who are saying, you elect me and Democrats will never win again, and that's probably true. The Supreme Court is about to hear a case that will decide, I'm pretty sure, that state legislatures can overrule the vote of their people in the Electoral College. That's what the Supreme Court is about to rule. My guess would be 5-4, but I wouldn't be shocked to see 6-3. Basically, what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of states that are controlled locally by Republicans. Think your Wisconsin's, think your uh, Wyoming's. And it's possible, no matter how unlikely, but it's possible, also Arizona, swing states. They're going to be locally controlled by Republicans. But then on presidents, you know, on, during the presidential election, they're going to say, hey, you know, Biden sucks, but he doesn't drive me crazy like trump does so when it's biden versus trump it's very likely we get the exact same outcome we did last time biden wins because nobody fucking wants trump again 
But then the state legislatures kick in, and thanks to the newfound power that the Supreme Court is going to grant them, the state legislatures are going to overrule the will of the people, and every swing state that has a Republican legislature is going to go to Trump. And that's it. That's ballgame right there. That's why everybody's worried about this one. So for the love of God, for everything you love and hope, go out tomorrow and vote as if democracy depends on it, because it does. It literally does. And this isn't hyperbole. I think this is the big problem is that, you know, everybody's so used to like, oh my God, this election's the most important ever. Well, yeah, unfortunately, that's what happens when you're in an extreme situation like this. You know, there was a good four, five, six year period where Germany could have gotten rid of their problem. And instead, they kept appealing to the people and the better nature and, uh, oh, well, if we just give them a little and we work with them and let's try to figure out the Nazi, you know, it didn't work then. It's not going to work now. So, you know, the optimism, unfortunately, if you follow history, you're just sitting here going, I, this is not going to end well. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to sit there and they're going to say, well, you know, you'll go to them and be like, Herschel Walker is a serial liar. And they'll be like, all politicians lie. And they're going to equate the two. And it's going to be like, no, you, you really don't understand. Like, <laughs> like, seriously, everything you grew up to believe is about to be destroyed for the pure fact that people aren't happy. And I really do think that's the problem. No one in America is happy right now. We won the Cold War, and all it did was wreck us. We didn't know what to do. We had too much power and too much money, and then we found out that power and money don't make you happy. Congrats. So we're going to end it all tomorrow. I would love to be wrong. I would absolutely love to be wrong. I would love for Georgia to prove me wrong. I would love for Pennsylvania to prove me wrong. I would love so much for Arizona to prove me wrong. I just don't have faith. I, I, I am a pessimist by nature when it comes to human beings. This is why originally I was a Republican. When I first was 18 and I decided I was going to try to align myself with the political party, I didn't follow politics. I went to my AOL and I looked up the Republican and Democratic Party platforms from, I think it was 1996, because... Yeah, it was in between presidential terms. And I read the party platforms for both the Democrat and the Republican parties. And I did not align with the Democratic parties. I aligned with the Republicans. Now, I know the platform is not, that's not who they really are. And I was young and I didn't know that. But I did agree with what they were saying. I do believe that human beings need government to restrain us. Okay, it's one of those things. It's like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps is, is an insult to the modern American. But there is a grain of truth to it. There are human beings who will not get up off their ass and do something unless pushed to do it. Okay, I do believe that there are people on food stamps, welfare, everything, who take advantage of the system and do as little as possible to get by. There are people like that. They are not the majority by any stretch. I do not 
possibly believe, I can't believe that the that most of them are that way. But I'm also not going to judge the entire group by the actions of one or two. Do you understand? The, the minority might do that. And I've known them. I knew this woman who the sole reason she even had her kid was so that she could get the welfare. I've known people like this. And I think that colored my, you know, political preferences early on in my life. But with age came wisdom and, you know, a reality. And I've always been a shoe on the other foot type of person. So that that's never changed. That's always been in my nature. But I really don't believe in our better angels. I really don't. There's something that we have. It's like... You watch, you watch movies and, you know, when I watched Star Wars, I didn't want to be Luke. I wanted to be Darth Vader. He was a badass, you know, and it's a young, stupid fantasy, but there are a lot of Americans right now who grew up watching and seeing the villains and thinking, man, I want to be them. I don't want to be Batman. I want to be the Joker. And it's that fucked up, stupid thing. It's like Fight Club was written as a cautionary tale of like toxic masculinity. But there's a serious segment of the male population of Americans who looked at it and saw it as a blueprint of how to be. I was in the Navy at the time in my 20s when that movie came out. Well, the movie was popular in my 20s when I was in the Navy. And that was a movie that was constantly on play and everybody wanted to emulate it. We just couldn't do the Fight Club thing because we were property of the U.S. military. But there's so many things wrong and we are constantly looking for code and validation. And there's reasons for that. There are a lot of them. Can't go into them all right now. Um, but a lot of men in this country didn't know what to do with success, didn't know what success was because they'd never had anything other than. They've always been successful. So when they did fail, they didn't know how to react. So when somebody came around saying, it's not your fault, it's someone else, they ran with it. And the sad part is, sometimes that's true. The first time I was laid off at a job, I did nothing wrong. I still stand by that. Over time, you know, different jobs, different positions. Yeah, I was stuck in employment in the worst period of time possible where every two years I was getting laid off. The first time I did nothing wrong. Second time, eh. Third time? Fourth time? After a while, I did kind of become what they wanted me to become. My environment dictated what kind of person I was. And I think a lot of Americans are stuck there. And so we look at it and we're cynical. All politicians lie. Both parties are the same. And we'll lie to ourselves and we'll tell ourselves that. And we'll, we'll allow ourselves to be nihilists and cynical about it all. But we really need to look inward because this is about to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better. And no one really understands it. I can't believe how many different republican interviews i see with people going to these trump rallies or whatever and they don't just say yeah i believe a civil war is coming they say they can't wait for it they want it 
And I'm like, you guys, you have never, ever been in a war. You really don't see it. You do not see what war is really like. There's currently a show on Netflix right now, um, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a, a classic World War I book uh, from the point of view of German Germany. Um, fantastic book. Great. I, I've never seen... I haven't watched the show, but I did read... I guess the alt-right is really pissed off at this movie because it keeps... It, it doesn't show the acts of heroism. Apparently, and again, I haven't seen it, it's depicting World War I as it was. Not a glorious battle. A disgusting slog with death and decay constantly around you. There was no beauty. There was no heroism. There was no grandeur in that war. But there are men watching that who say they hate the show because it doesn't glorify it enough for them. And these are the same people who believe that civil war is not just coming, but that they can't wait for it. And I'm just sitting here going, you guys have never seen war. You have no idea what you're in for. And I haven't seen it either, but I'm not stupid. I don't know how many times you can read a first-hand account of somebody who's actually been in the shit. It's not glorious. These people are tormented for the rest of their lives by what they've seen, even the quote-unquote heroes. We are an unserious, stupid people, and we are about to get exactly what we're asking for. And what drives me up the wall is that the other side seems totally okay to do it. I don't see a huge shakeup. That was one thing that changed. You know, I thought I thought Trump being elected in 2016 would have a positive. I thought it was, I was looking, I was grasping for a silver lining. And I was like, well, this, how does Democratic leadership with Hillary, Nancy, Chuck Schumer, all those guys, how do they stay in power of the Democratic Party after losing to Mr. Orange Fucknuts himself? But they didn't just retain their positions of power. They strengthened them. Nancy Pelosi is more powerful today than she ever has been. And she keeps losing. Constantly. If she doesn't have a charismatic president to drag her over the finish line, she can't win an election. We wrecked the system. And then they put the same people in charge of it. It's kind of like what's going on over in Europe right now with Brexit. They broke the system, but the same people in charge before Brexit are the same people in charge during Brexit and now after Brexit. So is it any surprise that Britain's got issues? We got what we asked for. We wanted to shake it up. We wanted something different. We got tired of the sausage making in Congress. Yay us. Long live the United States of America. So anyway, that's our show for today. Uh, sorry for the downer mood. I'm just kind of in one of those. Also kind of went off the cuff, so I didn't have a script ready. So everything's kind of just going everywhere. Hope to be able to do this more often. Tomorrow will be another uh, interesting day of election episode. I'm going to try and avoid the horse race stuff. 
Um, cause I do have things I want to say about it, but you know, anyway, uh, reach out to us. We are on uh, Gmail recovery from politics at gmail.com. We are on Facebook also and Twitter, uh, at, <laughs> it'll, it'll be in the description notes. I forget what it's called right now. Twitter's all kinds of fun at the moment. Um, but anyway, uh, reach out, comment, subscribe, like, share, make comments, lots of comments. It's the only way it's going. There's a, uh, there's no Patreon, no nothing. It's a one man show and I'm not making anything off this. So, uh, I'm not paying for ads. I'm not having any ads. It's all you guys. So thanks a lot. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.